doing? Good. Hey, it's an extension of our worship this morning. It's passed down our baskets for our offering this morning. If you're a first-time guest, all we ask that you do is just uh, that Connect card you filled out. If you would stick that in the basket and uh, send it back down to the end. Uh, my name is Steve Hambrick, and I'm the pastor here. And I'm uh, very excited to, to be here this morning. Actually, I flew in. I flew out to Texas on uh, Friday morning. I emceed this event out there. There's a mission. Uh, Brandon and Kim Smith, they come here to Vintage. Uh, they travel a lot. Um, it's just singing and worshiping and stuff. But they, um, Brandon and his friend Jimmy, and Jimmy and his wife Melanie come here also, the Gundermans. They um, have this ministry called No Hungry Children, and specifically uh, reaching out to uh, these, these slums they partnered with in Nairobi, Kenya. And so we flew out and emceed this event yesterday, and they had over 3,000 people show up. Um, basically, and it was great. They had all these vendors out there and all these jumpies, and they had, like, Einstein bagels and uh, Starbucks and uh, Jason's Deli. All these, people, all these people came. All these vendors came out and uh, had about four different bands. How many of you remember Dallas Home? Remember Dallas Home? Yes. Uh, yes, and he'll, the song Rise Again. Yes, he'll rise again. Right? Yeah, that was back like in the old days. Like that was, I mean, back when I was growing up, my parents were listening to that. Anyway, Dallas Home was there. And it was funny because I had this picture of who Dallas Home is. And you know, like he's just, I mean, he's, he's like, he's like the age, the age of my parents, you know, and, and he got there and started playing the blues with this guitar. It was unbelievable. It's like, that's not Dallas Home. Anyway, so it was a great time yesterday. And then I flew back in, flew, and then last night got home at 11.45. And I'll tell you, I'm wide awake. So, anyway, we're afraid this morning is like, grace, Jesus, help us, right? So, anyway. Well, hey, let's jump in this morning. A few of your Bibles turn to Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 13. So, this, this Sunday is a Sunday of focusing on our children. Uh, obviously, we have a lot of children. And we've said before that, that children are our greatest treasure here in our lives and, and then here at Vintage. And, and so this morning, what we want to focus on our children. I'm going to, we're going to show a video a little bit. I'm going to have Scott, Scott Simmons come up. He's going, to, I'm going to, he's going to share some, share some with us about his time uh, serving the village. But this morning, we want to focus uh, on our children. We invited them to come in just to sing. Because we wanted you to recognize, like they sang, that this, these songs, they're doing every morning, right? This this time of worshiping, time of prayer. You'll see it in the video. And so, we, we are a church who believes in generational investment, right? We're investing into the, the young generation, and, and we, we have the, the Paul-Timothy relationship. And, and so we want to highlight this, highlight that reality this morning just a bit so you can get a picture of who we are and ultimately uh, how you can get connected here at Vintage. So with that, we're going to turn to Mark 10, starting verse 13. Here we go. If you your Bible, you can just read up here on the screen. And it says this. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the child in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Now turn to, uh, or just read along with me on the screen, Ephesians 4, 6, uh, 6, 4, just one quick verse. It says, fathers, but I'm going to add parents to it. Parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. 
Now, you know, that you, all of us know, we're not oblivious to what's going on in the culture that we live in, right? You understand just the, the things that our children are facing today that we did not face growing up. In fact, I remember this past summer we were sitting at youth camp, and Tommy Fraley was getting up and speaking, and, and he held up, an, held up a phone, and he was talking about just the, just the power of pornography and kind of how, what it was like when he was growing up. And he held up his phone, and he said, he said, each of you now in this room who have these can just hop on and get pornography like that, sitting here in our church service, right? That the culture that we are growing up in is completely different. The things that our children are exposed to at an early age is completely different than it was when we were growing up. And even this past, you know, past couple of weeks, if you've been, any, if you've been on the planet Earth and reading the news at all, you heard where our president came out and decided it was, it was time that we should actually change how we define marriage. Not between a man, and a man and, a, and a woman, but between a man and a man and a woman and a woman, right? This, this, this changing how we've been defining marriage literally forever. And so what we're finding then is that our Judeo-Christian morals and our values and our convictions and our biblical convictions, they're, they're under attack even not just in the spiritual world, but now in the political realm, right? It's, just, it's unbelievable just the, the, what we're growing up in. And, 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 and we have it good here, right? We have it good in America, right? We're, we're not yet post-Christian. All of Europe is completely post-Christian, which simply means they're no longer a Christian society based on Christian morals and values. They have long foregone that. And so you sit in elementary schools and junior high, and they have no idea who Jesus is, literally. I sat in a class with a professor at seminary named Graham. Uh, he was from uh, Scotland, but he was teaching at the London School of Theology. And he talked about his daughter, who was a up-and-coming tennis player. Probably one of, she was probably a top five tennis players in all, of, in, in all of the Big Island there, right? Great Britain. And it was a school of about 500 people, and they, and they had to pull her out because she was under such... Um, persecution for being the only Christian in the entire school. This is the path that America is coming going on. In case you don't know, I mean, I, we are we are a little bit sheltered in the Bible Belt, so we're still very Christian, quote unquote. At least we say that we are, right? But outside of the South, I mean, it is there is it is it is much more post-Christian. If you've ever we lived in Florida, and it was definitely that way, right? And and my point is simply this: we're growing up in a generation where our children are exposed to things we weren't exposed to. And it is a difficult, difficult time to raise our children that the the morals that our college students and our high school students have today are not the same than when we were high school school students and college students, right? The things that they they are embraced, right? I I mean, there's so many things that you can say. We all understand this, right? And And so what I want to focus on this morning... The primary responsibility, right, the primary responsibility that we have as, as parents and as, and as the church is that we have a primary responsibility of protecting the most vulnerable. And the most vulnerable are our children because they need to be protected, right? They are still, there's still this level of innocence. They still need someone to guard them, protect them, to shepherd them. We need, they need to come along and to guard them, to speak into their lives. And when they are exposed to things, we don't just go, oh my God, maybe they didn't see that. We sit down with them and have real conversations because the things that they're going to be exposed to will only increase. They will only increase as they continue on in life. 
And so here in Ephesians, Paul speaks to, he speaks to parents about their responsibility, right? He says, he says, you have to come and you have to instruct them and to raise them up. You have to recognize that here in Ephesians, they were, they were, these, these, these Jewish Christians are being raised under a Roman culture, which was not very Christian at all. Did not hold these Judeo-Christian values and morals. And so some of the things that they were experiencing, they were exposed to even in their own culture, would be very similar to, to what we're exposed to today. And so he's coming and he's looking to these Ephesians, right? He's saying, listen, it's imperative that you own your responsibility. It's imperative that you train and that you raise your children, that you make it the primary responsibility of your life. Listen, when you get to heaven... God's not really going to care how, listen guys, this is for men especially, God's not really going to care how well you provided for your children financially and all the hours you worked. Yes, he wants you to work hard, and yes, he wants you to provide, but when he gets to heaven, do you, on, the, on a scale, do you think he's going to care more about how you invested and trained up your children spiritually to love him, which is the great commandment of God, or do you can say, well, I'll work 60 hours a week so my children have everything that they wanted? Don't forget, God says, don't worry about what you have because I will provide all of your needs. Now, you need to go work, men and women, right? God will say, I will provide all of your needs. Invest into the primary things. So Paul's coming here and, and saying, listen, you have a responsibility to train your children spiritually. We have a, a, a responsibility for protecting and caring for them. We have this responsibility. And Mark, the primary thing that we see the parents doing is, is they're loving on their kids, that's what's happening here in this story, right? They're, they're, they're loving on their children. The scripture tells us in here in Mark that the parents, they're, they're bringing their children to Jesus, right? They're bringing their children to Jesus. Don't, don't forget that there are large crowds following Jesus. How many of you have ever been in a group of 15,000 people who are focusing on one human being? They're trying to get to one place. Jesus is, he's the smallest point of the funnel, right? And everyone's trying to get to Jesus. And you have these families, listen, they didn't have birth control back then, y'all. Like, they got lots and lots of kids, okay? They're trying, they're like, come on kids, come on, right? And they get this like horde of like kids that are following them, right? Through the crowds of tens of thousands of people. For one purpose, we want the rabbi. We want this Jesus fellow to touch and to bless our children. This would have been an all-day affair. This would have been been a, a very difficult task of making their way through the crowd, keeping the children safe, you know, bringing them in, right, pushing people away, you know what I'm getting at, and bringing them to Jesus. And then they get there, they get there, and what happens? You have these mean old disciples, Right? Go away. We don't want kids here, right? No kids allowed. I was talking to Chase Leach the other day, and, you know, he's, uh, the Parker's kid, one of the Parker clan, this is in that third row, usually at nine. I don't know where the slackers are this morning, but anyway, uh, no, but seriously, Chase sits right here, and he's got long, long hair, right? He's a big time skater, and so literally, we were sitting at Yogli Mowgli last week with the Crawfords, and, 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 and Chase comes over, with all his buddies, and they got their like skate gear on. They look, they look tough, but it's just chase, right? And so anyway, this just like comes up, and then we're like, 
And he's like, we just got kicked out of the CVS. I'm like, what? Yeah, this lady came out and said, and this guy came out and, and, and we had, and told us we had to leave. And, and we looked at it and he says, what? You want to bring it? And we're like, we don't want to fight some 60 year old man, right? It's weird. So we're coming over here, you know, and he was like shaking. They were all nervous and stuff, right? That's, that, that's the disciples, the 60 year old man saying, we don't want you here, right? They're like pushing them away. I mean, that's not nice, right? That's not nice. He's saying, listen, go away, right? And when Jesus saw this, it says he was indignant. He's like, no, 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 no. Listen to me, disciples. I want you to let the children come to me. I want you to let them come. And the parents start bringing them in. Listen, when I was in India about 10, 11 years ago, no, 2012, been 13 years ago, I was in India, and I'm there, I think I've told the story before, so forgive me if you've heard it before, but I'm sitting in India, you know, we're tra- I'm in Madurai, southern tip of India, and we're doing this like one-day gauntlet. We're going to villages where I'm the first, my buddy Kyle and I are the first white people they've ever seen in their life, right? I mean, we are like the toast of, like we're bringing, they're, they're bringing us, and they have like these little, like these little outfits on, they're bringing us into their grass hut, you know, and with their little Hindu gods right there trying to serve us tea and, you know, cookies and stuff, and you know, it's, it's like everything that they owned was what they were giving us, right? Whereas we had to receive it. And, and so we're going from there to all these, we go to this hospital. And we get to the hospital and, it, and we go to the children's wing. When we say the children's wing, I mean, it's a room like 25 by 25 with beds this far apart with families camped out around them, about 50 to 60 children laying in these beds for their medical care who've probably not been seen but maybe once every three days. And the, and the parents are responsible for getting their medicine, giving them their medicine, uh, taking their, make, checking their temperature, which is by their hand. <laughs> they don't have, they don't have thermometers. You talk kidding, right? And they're sitting there doing their thing, and they bring us in, and and we just look in the room, and, he, and they push us into the room. I mean, literally, the, the two guys we're with, they lived there. They literally push us into the room. We're like, what do we do? He goes, just go from bed to bed and start praying for them. We're like. Okay, right? And so we lay hands on these kids and we just start praying. You know, I'm, I'm probably, I don't know, I'm probably praying in tongues. They can't speak English anyway, really. And so I'm just sitting here praying over them. Like, I don't know what you're doing, Jesus, but I know I want you to bring healing, right? And just bring healing and just praying restoration. And I'm trying to get really loud because, you know, when you get loud, it makes God move better. I don't really know. But anyway, I'm just like, Jesus, you know, the whole thing. And so I'm just praying because I'm like, I listen because I'm so overwhelmed. I mean, literally, I'm walking into a room, these sick children, right, have diseases we don't really get here in America, and they're just spreading them. Their beds are this far apart. They're spreading it to each other. I mean, it's like terrible. So anyway, so I'm going, I'm just overwhelmed. And so I come in, like, let's say this is a door, right, and the door goes here, room, 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 like this, right? I make my way in, and then I turn right and come this direction. I make my way down, and I don't pray for everybody, okay? I just kind of pray for the ones who... I think are awake or the parents are okay. And so I come down, I get, I pray myself into this corner. So we'll say we're going to this corner. I pray myself into this corner and I turn around and every single one of you who had children in that room, every single parent had their child at arm's length like this, beating, trying to, working, trying to work their way past other parents to get me to pray for them. I was undone. You see, these parents, this is what you have right here, right? 
The parents, they're just working, trying to get their child to Jesus. The disciples are pushing them away, but they're just, they're doing it. Why? Because they love their children enough to at least get them to this white guy. Seemingly, he must have something special. He's from, he's not from here, right? And whatever he's got, we want. We don't even believe in the Jesus he's praying to, but maybe he can bring healing to my child. And I lay, and I just got there, and I'm like, and I literally, I'm undone, and I'm just, I'm just I'm emotional in the moment. Like, God, just touch these children. God, move in their life. This is the same level of indignance in, in that, that, that Jesus has to the disciples. Just know, let them come to me. Let them come to me. It says, it says he, we, we see the, the response of Jesus. It's telling. First, it says, don't hinder them. Don't hinder them, which means in turn, they should be helping them. When I say don't hinder them, what I'm actually saying is go help them. Go help them. Disciples then should have been like making the way and helping bring the children to Jesus, right? Don't hinder them, which means help them. He took them, says he took them in his arms. Listen, when I, I embrace those that I love, right? He's expressing this love for them. And then he comes and he blesses them, meaning that Jesus poured himself out into their lives. Jesus poured himself out. He blessed them. He poured himself out. You see, in this day and age in which we live, our children are our greatest treasure. They were the greatest treasure of these parents who are represented here, who are working, who were fighting to get them, get them to Jesus. And when Jesus came, he showed us, his, he showed us who he is. Number one, he helped them know, like, he says, he just, he came, he says, hey, he, our responsibility in this is to help them know Jesus. See, Jesus, he revealed to us what our responsibility is, is to help them know Jesus. We brought them to him. We're bringing them to Jesus. We're training them. We're teaching them. We're instructing them. Number two is we're called to love them well. Jesus expressed this by taking them in his arms. We're called to express love to our children. The third thing is we're called to bless them by pouring ourselves into their lives. Not working hard for them outside the home, right? But to give ourselves to them. To make time and energy to invest into their lives. Listen, I recognize there are seasons you have to work 60 hours a week. But when you get home, work through your tiredness and be fully present. And engage them. Love them. Pray for them. Pray with them. Read Bible with them. I don't care if you one verse a day at the breakfast table or dinner table or whenever it may be. Do something with them that's growing them spiritually. See, for us at Vintage, we want to, listen, we want to be a church that leaves a legacy for our kids. That we want to leave a legacy, right? We want to, to, to invest our lives into them and in turn Leave them with lives that love Jesus, who know that they are loved by a group of people who would fight for them, who would fight through and get them to this place of breakthrough in their own lives. Listen, we live in a very difficult season. We live in a difficult time of life, and our children, they are the ones who are at greatest risk. They are the ones who are at greatest risk, and we want to raise children who are secure and who are confident in their relationship with Jesus for all of their lives. Some people call this sticky faith. 
Sticky faith, a faith that sticks with them through their entire life. Right now, you may not know, but what the statistics show is that 40 to 50 percent of youth group graduates who leave their church and go off to college, they leave their faith. 40 to 50 percent, one out of every two youth or child represented who will graduate from our church and go off, they will leave their faith going off into college. They say that only 20% actually plan to do that when they leave. The other 80%, something just happens, life just happens, and they fall away. Their stickiness, listen, their stickiness doesn't just begin in youth group, although that's imperative, that's why we just hired Timothy. But for vintage-wise, their stickiness begins with the village and vintage village. And the work that Lori and everyone else is doing in the Vintage Village, of people investing their lives, of giving their time, and of giving their energy, of leaving a legacy by helping them know Jesus, by loving them well, and then by blessing them, by pouring their lives into them. That's our responsibility, and it's the call of Vintage. John Ortberg says this. He says, Kids experience Jesus Christ When adults in the church give them grace, give them time, and give them genuine love with no hidden agenda. Look at that quote while I read it again. Kids, our children, the ones you just saw singing a song up here, experience Jesus Christ when adults in the church give them grace, give them time, and give them genuine love with no hidden agenda. But it goes on. However... Most kids lack connection to an investment from a church community that is mobilized to reach them. Very few churches have transformed their culture to see kids as a mission field on their own campuses. Leave that quote up, please. Very few churches have transformed their culture I didn't say transformed a ministry area. I mean transformed their entire culture, the DNA of who they are to see kids, our children, their children as a mission field on their own campus. There is no one under greater attack in America today than our children. You have a responsibility with them at home. And we have a responsibility here at Vintage. Our village is the primary way that we are doing that today. So I want to invite, actually, Scott, why don't you go ahead and tell me, go ahead and come up here and tell me you can grab that, that in back. While they're coming forward, I want you to watch this video that kind of gives a, gives a picture for you of what's happening in the village. Perspective of just uh, what it means to volunteer. So, um, Scott, just tell us what prompted uh, you ultimately to get back and serve in the village. Um, I think it was Laurie just asking me if I would do it, and I'm not, I wasn't a natural, like I'm not going to naturally just go and sign up in the village, even though um, part of my reason for saying yes was I did feel a responsibility, because I'll just say that. I've got kids back there, so there was an element of responsibility, but Laurie, um, we had known Laurie from, from Riverstone a few years ago, and then when she came up here, she saw me one day, and she was like, hey, could you 
consider signing up or volunteering and so I was like yeah I'll do it because I really had the desire but my problem was I didn't feel like I really knew what to do I mean even though I've got kids and and you know we spend time with kids and talking with them about faith and everything like that as far as like actually doing it in the in the in the village I felt like wow this this might be a little bit over my pay grade <laughs> um, so I just kind of jumped in and started working back there with the with the uh, kindergartners and first graders, most of the people that were on the front row down there when we were singing. And um, it's been awesome. I mean, where else can you learn um, Jesus is my superhero? <laughs> yeah. Did, did you learn? I did. did you do I did. it? I did. I did. Fantastic. I did. I was kind of doing it when there was in the row. Good job, man. I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. Proud of you. Now, tell us, just now, just, and then talk about your, um, your time in the village, what God did in your heart, just the things maybe you'd want us to know as we talk about this getting connected to this generation. Yeah, well, um, I always go in there um, with just a little bit of fear and trepidation because I never, you know, it's it's nervous for me. I don't work with kids. I mean, I've got my own kids, but these are other people's kids. And so there's always a little bit of an element of like, oh, what am I going to say or what am I going to do or anything like that? But um, every time I go in there, it's just, uh, there's just such a wonderful mix of kids and the kids are just absolutely precious. I can't remember who it was or even when it was, but they were doing a thing. It was probably last year for like Mother's Day or Father's Day, drawing pictures of the family and things like that. And and I'm just I, I, I'm looking. You know, they're explaining to this one. This one girl was like, "Oh, that's my mom. That's my dad, brother, whatever." And I'm I'm looking down there and I'm like, "Is that a dog?" And they're like, "Yeah, that's my dog." And I'm like, "Okay, I can kind of make it out." I'm like, "Who's petting the dog?" They're like, "Jesus." And I'm like, wow, okay, that was really cute in the moment, but then when you think about it, those are the kind of stories where you're like, that's probably the way we should be thinking of a family portrait, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus is just right in there with the family, petting the dog, and um, those are the kind of things you take away that, for me, those are really meaningful things, and... And it really is about investing in the kids. I, everything you just said a few minutes ago, I really believe in kids. It's it's really about the investment, and really, you know, that's the fruit. It's the fruit of what we do, right? And Jesus said, you know, the health of the vine is determined by the fruit. The fruit indicates the health of the vine, and so if that's the fruit, then that's the indication of the health of our vine. And I see how much our teenagers go through too. Like our older, um, our older kid, who you were talking about, Chase. You know, we've got a. We've got a 15-year, almost 16-year-old, and just the stuff that he's going through right now, it's just I can't imagine um, not having that foundation. And so part of it is, like, I really want to be a part of those really formative years because I know from my own experience, once once they're 12 or 13, they're kind of – it's not totally cast. It's not – the die's not totally cast, but it's really pretty cast. Yeah, that's true. I was reading a book the other day. They are talking about just basically every and every kind of major step of life, and you get to – like 90% of people give their life to Christ, I think, before they're 20. Then every year after that, the number diminishes. And that's why for us, I mean, I think is even talking about investing back here. That's the importance because this is the season of life that sets the tone for, for the rest of their life. And um, so that's great. So thanks, Scott. I appreciate it. Give, give Scott a hand. You can leave it there, man. Thank you. Yeah, I think the thing that I want you to see in Scott, you know, Scott's not the proverbial, you know, you know how in churches you, Scott's great with kids, he's not the proverbial, like, kid person going back to the village. You know what I'm saying? Like, you've been in churches before, and you start thinking about children's ministry, and you don't in your mind have that person you can think about when you were a kid, like, oh, Miss So-and-so, she was so nice, right? But Scott, I mean, I think of Scott, he's just like me, like, I... I'll go back and work with the kids, but it's not this natural affinity. I'm like, I can't wait to work with kids. I'm like, yes, I will work with kids because I feel called to, right, to this family response. And I feel, I say there's this calling to be responsible in the family. 
And I think that's what it is. And, and when you get back there, and that's funny, I thought, you know, Scott's story is like everyone else I talk to that once you get back there, you're amazed at how incredible the kids are about the things that you learn in the process. And then to be completely honest with you, that when you then leave and you come back here and they see you, they're like giving you hugs and stuff, right? Because they now know you. And I think that's the point of what I look at for the villages. When we talk about this idea of this quote from John Ortberger, it says, most kids lack connection to an investment from a church community. That there are, that when adults in the church give them grace, time, and genuine love with no hidden agenda, kids experience Jesus Christ. That's the thing I don't think we recognize. I, I was sitting here even looking back at my own life. And I can sit here and just tell you every individual who shaped my life. Probably one of the most uh, shaping people in my life was my second grade teacher, Mrs. Mize. Second grade teacher just loving on me, loving Jesus, taking some quiet time before we walked down to the lunch as I sat there and watched her bow her head and pray. These are people who shaped me, who changed my life because they loved on me when I was a kid. And so what I want to say to, to all of us in this, in this room is that you are the adults that Jesus looks to who are going to be shaping our kids. And I don't say that to guilt you and so you can look away from me like, oh, he's probably looking at me. Da, 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 da. I'm simply saying it just is a reality in the moment for us that we have a responsibility. Jesus said to the disciples, do not hinder them, which in turn meant, Please help them. Please help them and come alongside because that's his desire and his passion. Because I, I read the book of Joel when it talks about our young men, right? Our children will dream dreams, right? That they're not the church of tomorrow, but the, the church of today who are simply looking for people, Paul's in their life and, 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 and mother, spiritual mothers who will come alongside of them and simply disciple Simply mentor and simply invest into their life. And so what that looks like is this. I, here's what I'm asking. We have had all of our lead teachers who have been leading for really the, for the last school year here at Vintage. Some are taking a break over the summer. Some will be back in the fall. And some, will, some are indefinitely kind of stepping out for the season, right? But what we're looking for is people who can step in this summer and then beyond, Okay. Well, here, and here's the deal. There's not a call. There's some people who have a call to children and like to give their lives to that. But all of us have a responsibility of investing into our children. In fact, when we, when we, um, do de- baby dedications, we basically hold that shot. We had the parents pray and then I'll come to you and I say, listen, do you commit in the name of Jesus to care for, to disciple, protect, to guard and to lead these children into Christ likeness and to be spiritual aunts and uncles and parents alongside of their physical parents. And all of you say yes, because it sounds so great in theory, but an actual practice of fleshing out what that looks like is, yes, being nice to them in the moment, but obviously giving them, giving your time and energy to them in the village. And so that's what we're going to do today. Today, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I mean, opportunity to simply connect this summer of taking a Sunday or two Sundays. It's looking, we're talking, you can take one service, you can take the, both services, I don't really care. But we have these sheets that you're going to be signing up for. And what I want you to hear me say is, I don't want you to go, oh gosh, here he goes. He's like, set us up, right? Now he's like guilting me into signing up, right? 
All I'm simply doing is I'm just stating what Jesus said to his disciples. Do not hinder them. I'm simply stating what scripture says. Do not hinder them, which means get out of the way and help them by blessing them, by giving your life for them. And what happens in return is when you are obedient, God pours himself out to you. Scott's story is this, this, this is, is life giving, right? Some of you are like, I just don't do well with kids. Then you're the perfect candidate because there's nothing that sensitizes your heart more to the love of Jesus than being around children. Because Jesus just said here, he said, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Being around little children actually sensitizes and prepares your heart to receive the kingdom and to receive Jesus. It's a powerful statement Jesus makes. He basically says, I want you to take your gaze and stop focusing on me, and I want you to start focusing on children. Because that is going to be, if you come like them, then you can receive the kingdom. Take some time and learn from them and let them disciple you. All right, let's pray.